And if you're not prepared in your integration to handle change, it's going to cost you big bucks. So that's your ROI right there. Hey everyone, this is Nazar Akil from Max Pro. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Paul. And we're Love and Pebbles. Hi, this is Lopa Vandermersch from Rasa. Oh, you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening to the Arm Show. Welcome to the Ecom Show, presented by Blue Tusker, the number one place to hear the inside scoop from other e-commerce experts, where they share their secrets on how they scaled their business and are now living the dream. Now, here is your host, Andrew Math. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ecom Show. I'm your host, Andrew Math, as usual. And today, I'm joined by the amazing Robin Smith of VL Omni. Uh, Robin, how are you doing today? You ready for a good show? I'm good, Andrew. I'm 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 really pumped. So let's let's get at it. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Let's dive on in. I love talking about this kind of stuff because it's like kind of like nerding out about how you can get like one thing to do another. But obviously today, I'm sure based on your background, we're going to be talking about integrations and getting pretty deep in it. But I want to obviously do the usual, give you an opportunity to let everyone know a little bit more about yourself. And of course, more about BL Omni and we'll take it from there. Perfect. Well, we've uh, we've been doing integration for, and I'm going to date myself here, for 30 years. So uh, we come out of bricks and mortar retail. Uh, so you know it. <laughs> so we, we've been doing bricks and mortar retail for, uh, integration on the back end for a long time, complex supply chains. We, um, we launched our own platform um, in 2018 based on Amazon's microservices technology. And today what we bring to the market is a, a managed integration platform as a service. There is a there's a real gap in the market between the DIY solutions, uh, the platforms that are designed for IT shops and techies who want to do their own stuff, and the plug-and-play stuff. Um, and as merchants evolve and scale, what happens is that they outgrow those plug-and-play solutions, and there's a knowledge gap internally and um, they reach a point where they've got to have much more complex stuff and either they hire people to do it themselves in-house using some of these DIY tools or they'll find a Shopify agency to build the integration. Um, But what we found was that there's a real need to bring professional expertise to the table to help them scope, design, uh, deal with the gotchas, as my partner says, the devil's in the details with this stuff, <laughs> and, um, and architect and, and put in place solutions that allow merchants not to worry about integration, but to allow them to scale. So do we generate more money for companies? Uh, we potentially can, but what we do is we make them way more efficient. Yeah. So, so your specialty here, you know, being the integrations, there's, I mean, I don't even, I, I couldn't even guess how many platforms are out there that you could use that are, as you said, like plug and play or the DIY stuff. So what would be a very kind of standard use case of leveraging, you know, you guys versus just someone trying to wing it? Yeah, no, for sure. So let's, let's go back pre-pandemic. Um, pre-pandemic, if you think about the customer journey in e-commerce, it was, it was fairly simple. Placed mm-hmm. an order, the order went through. I Shopify's got a great admin panel. I can go and look at all my orders, and 
Um, a lot of sites did a lot of stuff manually. If they went to scale, they went to an order management solution that plugged in, pulled the orders. Maybe they had ship station, they pulled the orders, did all their fulfillment, and then and at a certain point as you start to scale and as you get volume, you start to look at your tech stock. And the more pieces you have in your tech stock now, your data becomes increasingly disconnected. And at that point, you really need to start thinking about centralizing on a central point of truth. And that central point of truth can be, depending on the type of data, uh, in in organizations that need to do proper financial uh, uh, financial analysis, they need to do costing, they need to procure, some may be doing light manufacturing. You really need an ERP of some form. And at that point, now it becomes... I have the the back end stack to allow for a much more uh, complex customer journey on the front because I have data to be able to engender that, hmm. and that's where the the plug and play solution, which is designed for the lowest common denominator, fits you in a box. You install it fast, you know, like a, like something in the Shopify app store. It's cheap, um, and it does. ABC and it doesn't do XYZ. It doesn't talk to returns. It doesn't do anything else. Um, that's great if you're small, but you reach that point where you need to now start to think about how do you scale. There's also two data points that are really critical. One is the basket size. Um, and this stuff has been researched uh, through universities in the UK and North America. So the, the two data points are 20 to 25 orders a day. Anything beyond that, uh, a merchant doing things manually or semi-integrated semi will start to make mistakes. And we all know what mistakes cost. It can be things like uh, transposing a zip code, uh, the numbers in a zip code, and then FedEx kicks out an error and you pay a fee to FedEx to correct it. Uh, they don't tell you they're correcting it, but they charge you a fee to correct it. Yeah. And and uh, all the carriers are exactly the same. The other, the other, um, the other piece where a lot of companies that are starting to scale and starting to get order volume don't realize is that any any basket size that's under hundred dollars that you're doing manual or semi manual, you're losing money on every single order because of the cost of the infrastructure and the labor and all of the manual intervention that is required. And you see that in a customer journey when somebody places an online order. I mean, we we do this experiment every year here where I get my employees to, to buy online and we collect the feedback. And they can tell exactly where an integration is not being done in a manual process is happening because either, either there's errors on shipping labels or there's 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 time gaps between when they get things and when when the notifications go out. So it's it's usually those kind of things that start to trigger that discussion around well should I integrate first of all do I need to evolve to an ERP and in most cases the answer is yes if you're running a business a sound business then it's okay how do I look at integrating that and then it's what are the workflows that I want to integrate so the typical ones, if you're doing direct-to-consumer, it's orders, fulfillments, inventory, price promotions, products, product updates. Um, again, depending, there is a lot of 
caveats around some of this products depends on your product catalog the size of the catalog how complex it is how many variants you've got but the foundational workflows like orders fulfillment um, inventory price promos those are all pretty straightforward to put in place and they enhance that customer journey and that customer experience on the b2b side i mean there's no reason why you can't do b2b on shopify shopify is talking about it um, and we have lots yeah. of b2b sites the workflows are slightly different. You would do a customer create coming out of your ERP because that customer's gone through all the credit checks and so on and so forth. So, But the same workflows would apply. Orders, fulfillment, inventory, price, so on and so forth. So so that that's sort of in a nutshell. But it's really, it's really what do you want to do on the front end and how do you enhance that customer experience with the data that's in your central point of truth? So you're mostly focused on, I guess, two different things. One would be improving the overall customer experience just from making that customer journey a lot smoother than it was if you were to take some kind of out of the box thing. And then it's also being able to leverage that additional data on the back end for the seller themselves to be able to kind of diversify, like diversify to decipher what's actually going on, what's working, what's not working. Am I right? Yeah, you have velocity in the business now, which means you can do more things. You have the ability to uh, interact with your customer faster more often. Um, you, you can handle multiple shipments. I mean, you know, the list is endless in terms of the things that you want to do. What we always tell cus- potential customers is, okay, let's let's build the, ho- the, the house by building the foundation first. Let's build your foundational workflows. And then look at how do we integrate returns? How do we integrate payouts? How do we integrate some of this other functionality? Sites that try to do it all at once, they end up delaying their launches and their their go lives. And yeah. it just becomes way too complicated. Yeah. What would be like, um, I don't know if you have like a, like a recent use case or like what would be a good like specific example of, okay, this seller did this, they had this set up and, you know, you came in and automated the whole thing. Well, I can give you an example of a site we did. Oh, during, actually during the pandemic, this was a site, uh, they sell nutraceuticals and they had, uh, they had contracted with an agency. They were typically a company that sold to um, spas and things like mm-hmm. that. And of course, during the pandemic, all the spas shut down and people couldn't order. But the customers of the spas wanted to to continue ordering the product. So they they rolled up, they, they went to an agency, rolled up a Shopify store. These guys were using NetSuite. And the agency put together this completely botched integration. And half of it, you know, they were losing orders. Stuff wasn't, fulfillments were not, coming out in time. I mean, they could see in Shopify that they were getting orders, but no, they wouldn't hit NetSuite. And, you know, it was things like ship methods weren't aligned properly. Taxation in, uh, in the U.S., where you've got so many jurisdictional uh, structures, they weren't set up properly in the ERP. So it's stuff like that, that if you do it properly, now I'm not managing the integration, I'm managing the business. Yeah. And um, so we ended up ripping out the integration that they had, that the agency had built and we redid it and we sat down with them and we analyzed exactly what they wanted to do, told them, this is how we're going to set it up. 
does that meet your business expectations? And I mean, they're, they've seen an expansion just because they don't have to worry about that stuff. They've got an yeah. individual who was worrying about that stuff previously. Now that's focused on doing SEO and, and, you know, things, things that will generate more revenue generally. Yeah. So, yeah. so, has it become more and more complicated as time went on? Basically, because oh. like my thought is like, so you mentioned pre-pandemic and now let's say post-pandemic, you've got six different sales channels between, let's say, a Shopify site and your Amazon and Walmart and eBay. And then you've got Facebook and Instagram that take sales now. And like there's Google's got there. So there's all these different sales channels. Yeah. Now yeah. you've got these Shopify sellers that... uh rightfully so, want to be able to customize and personalize their site as much as possible, which can sometimes require 15 to 20 different apps that don't really talk to each other. So what, how complicated has it gotten over time to get all of those things to talk together in like one centralized place? I think it's, you know, it's interesting. I was at the the Magento um, conference in 2013 13 in Vegas where Magento came out and they were waving this banner about how everything should come go through your Magento site. And I listened to that and I thought, my God, this is, this is really dumb because <laughs> what happens if you want to change your site? Now you got to, now you got to go through and, and redesign, re pick apart all these channels that come through your, your, your Magento site and you've got to now re-engineer every single one of these channels. So I was a little bit disappointed to see Shopify do some of that, but I know why they did it because the barrier to entry for the small merchants is too high to be selling yeah. on those channels. So there's a cost benefit there. I get it. But at a certain point, you need to look at creating a hub and spoke model. So your hub is your central point of truth where your data resides. And you can have multiple hubs of truth, central points of truth, I should say. But look at each channel as a spoke that's a discrete connection. Because you may turn a channel on and find out it's kind of useless. And to Shopify's benefit, there's actually some benefit in the way that they've set it up. Is that if you're if you want to test a channel... Doing it through Shopify to see if you get any traction is a great way of doing it. But at a certain point, don't rely 100% on that. Take it out and set it up as a spoke because that hub and spoke model now allows you to turn things on and off. Does it cost Mm -hmm. more in integration? Yes. But it allows you to have a much more refined multi-channel strategy. And I don't, we see brands that are in much, much larger taking that approach. I don't see it as much in the mid market where a lot of people are faced with that complexity and they look for band-aids and the band-aid is that quick fix, low cost, low entry. So on and so forth. the problem is that people get hooked on it. Yeah. And when you go to migrate or replatform, now it becomes really complicated. So yeah. You know, it's, uh, How, um, obviously that that kind of answers the back end issue but like the so the front end side of it what would be a good example of being able to kind of do this more hub and spoke model and and improving the customer journey on the front end so let's actually i was just on a call with a merchant just before jumping on and we were talking about kidding and bundling Mm -hmm. and i mean there's two aspects to that 
kitting and bundling, it's what you show to the customer on the front end. And you want to have this, you know, this nice customer vision or uh, image and, and, you know, simple, easy to convert on that product. But you have constituent products that make up that bundle. And what you want to do under the hood is have each one of those products as a discrete line item so that you're now able to do a one-to-one on the integration. So that if one piece, when you're feeding your inventory in, if one piece of that bundle is out of stock, I can now turn that bundle off. As opposed to having a scenario where I keep selling that and now I have a customer service issue where a part of that bundle I can't ship because it's out of stock. So just, you know, that's a really simple example, but that's the kind of thing that you need to think about strategically of how you structure that stuff, where you align the back end to be able to engender a much slicker customer experience on the front end, but you don't want to be creating downstream customer service yeah. problems. Interesting. Have you done any, like, I don't even know if, a business would share this information with you, but like how much you've been able to help save and or bring in for a business just because you came in and we're like, we're going to clean house and integrate everything for you. Um, actually it's, that's an interesting question that you asked that we just, we just finished, um, doing an ROI analysis and the correlation between the return on investment and GMV is high. Um, I don't remember the exact figure off the top of my head, but generally we see about 110% return on the investment. Um, and obviously if you have volume and people have black Friday, cyber Monday and, you know, seasonal ups and down volume, the more of those you have, the higher the ROI. So the cost savings, yeah, no, they're fairly high. It depends on the, the the size of the business. Generally, we see just manpower savings on in the range of one hundred and fifty to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow! Just just by just by doing that kind of work. Um, but yeah, Is there... sorry, go ahead. It's 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 really the level of automation that you want to invest in that, that yeah. creates the ROI. Is there like a certain size store that tends to do better than others? Like if someone comes in, you know, yeah. they're starting off, they're sub, let's say seven figures a year, probably no need to over automate. They'll just typically use any of the DIY stuff or any of the plug and play things like you mentioned. But what about like, at what point are you like, okay, once your business gets to that size, you kind of need to look at how you're going to scale your technology. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it depends on the business. We've had we've got sites where that are merchants of five million. They're totally automated. Yeah, and then we have sites that are doing fifty million of GMV, and it's partial automation. A lot of it has got to do with the culture of the business and the value they place on that. And that's one of the reasons we did the the ROI study, actually. And I'll throw out some numbers for you. So 110% ROI per connector. So that's the average return on investment per implemented connector. Um, and that's across all of our merchant tiers. So we, we have various tiers based on usage. Um, 
we've got much faster um, implementation time than a lot of the DIY or the um, the custom coded solutions. Yeah, because it's our business, so the the cost savings there are are huge. Um, so I mean, I think the if you wanna if you wanna use the best quote that we've ever come across is the only constant in commerce is change, and that's Shopify Plus that said that. And if you're not prepared in your integration to handle change, it's okay. going to cost you big bucks. So that's your ROI right there. So it's a very good point. So. Very good point, Robin. Really appreciate you having on the show. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're uh, obviously a super busy guy, but I'd love to give you the opportunity here, let everyone know where they can find out more about you and, of course, more about VL Omni. Perfect. Well, thanks very much, Andrew, for having me on. It was uh, great chatting with you. Um, y- people can find out about us at vlomni.com. We, uh, we've just released an updated website with lots of new content in it. Um, lots of podcasts out there, uh, including this one, of course. <laughs> and um, lots of videos. I've spoken at many, many conferences on this subject and, and evolution of e-com businesses and things people should be thinking about. Um, we're not sure we're going to be much longer on Twitter, uh, but we are on Instagram. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Twitter's become just totally useless for business, I find. It's just a. Yeah. It's, it's just, you just have Twitter to go see what Elon's complaining about and then. Then you move yeah, on or, or <laughs> who shot who today or, or yeah. you know, how the war in Ukraine is going or whatever. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's completely useless. Um, <laughs> we're on Facebook, but that's more informational. Um, and we're happy to chat with people. If people want to, um, people want to chat, we work with lots of agencies, lots of tech platform partners, and we're at lots of events. So certainly look us up. See you out there. Beautiful. Appreciate your time, Robin. Obviously, everyone that tuned in, thank you as well. Please make sure to do the usual. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff, or go head over to thecomshow.com. Check out all of our other podcast episodes. But per usual, we will see you all next time. Have a good one. Thanks for joining. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker, a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.